man, it's exciting to be in the house of God. Can you say amen? And uh, I mean, I just, I do want to encourage you guys because um, this, is, this is a time and this is the season. We need to activate our faith, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And the moment we stop being doers of the word, we become complacent with the word. Are you with me? I'll say that again. The moment we stop, you know, moving with the word, you know, believing in the word, activating that word, we become complacent with the word. We have to activate our faith. Faith, you don't, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we, we get faith by hearing the word of God, but just having it won't do anything if we don't demonstrate it. That's what James said. Show me you have faith without works, and I'll show you my, my faith by my works because I'm putting action to what I believe in. And that's where God wants us to be today, not only for you because the promise is for you, but the promise is for your family, the promise is for your neighbors, it's for everyone around about you that God can use you to be a witness to them. You know, people are looking for someone to be an example to them. And you are that example. Just raise your hand up in the air. See, you're that example in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we've been going through a series right now, and I have a a couple more weeks left in it, but um, we've been going through a series called No Other Name, and it was really on uh, just going through Scripture and, and going through the names of God. And, you know, one of our main Scriptures that we're using for this is in Psalms 9, 10, and it says this. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O God, have not forsaken those who seek you. This is why we want to know God's name, because when we know his name, we'll put our trust in him. We'll put our faith in him, our faith in action in him, because he will not forsake those who seek him. Are you a seeker of the things of the Lord? We'll try it again. Are you a seeker of the things of the Lord? Praise the Lord. Man, we should be thawed out by now, guys. This is summertime's here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So today, I want, to, I want to go over one of the names of the Lord, which is Jehovah Ra, which is the Lord, my shepherd, or Yahweh Ra. And we've taught about these things. You can go back and, and any, of the, any of the names that you um, want to go back through, or if maybe if you've missed any. But we find this name uh, really in probably the most popular psalms uh, in the church. You know, people probably know this psalms, even people that maybe not even going to church right now. They grew up just kind of hearing this or knowing this psalm, which is Psalms 23. You remember Psalms 23? Uh, do you guys have that up on the, on the screen at all? Psalms 23? No? Let's, let's just read this together. We're going to read through Psalms 23. Six short verses. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, what a beautiful psalm. There's so much in this, but it starts right out with, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh is my Ra. He is my shepherd. So I just kind of want to take some, uh, go down through these couple scriptures and uh, just talk to you about this today. But man, I want you to know that God wants to be your shepherd. You're going to need to understand even what it is to have a shepherd. So the first, the very first scripture says this in Psalms 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first thing he's got to be that he wants to be is your shepherd, not just somebody else's shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to be the one that you're looking to to find security and contentment and that protection from all the things that would try to come against you or get you uneasy. You know, David was a shepherd, obviously, if you've been in the church for long, you know that. And he uses this uh, illustration of thinking back, you know, whenever he was, he was younger and watching his father's sheep. And, you know, there's a lot of things. There's actually a book, if you've never read it before, it's a really good book. I read it a couple years ago. And uh, as I was going through this, I drew a couple things from it. But it's called, uh, uh, what is it called? Psalms 23, A Look from a Shepherd's Perspective. So there was this man, he was a Christian man. Uh, he was a pastor for a little while. And uh, he was over and he lived over in, in Africa as well as in uh, Australia, and he was a shepherd. And uh, he just takes, he looks at Psalms 23 from a shepherd's perspective. You know, and that's what David was doing. David was looking at these sheep, and God wants us to know just as a shepherd takes care of his sheep, the sheep don't need to do anything but just follow the shepherd. I mean, it's really the only thing just trust, rely, and follow the shepherd. And even when we seem to go astray, he's such a good shepherd that he'll go after us. Amen? Because he loves us. So the first thing that he wants to do, he wants you, in this name, Jehovah, Jehovah Ra, he wants to become so personal to you as your shepherd that you'll get to that place where you'll, you'll realize, understand, and no matter what would come against you, you'll say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another translation says this. This is from the Young's literal tra translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack. The Living Bible, I like this, says it this way. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because he is my shepherd. I lost my place. I have everything that I need. Because he's my shepherd, I have everything that I need. In his book, uh, Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23, Philip Keller, he said this, no doubt the main concept is that of not lacking, not deficient in proper care, management, and husbandry, but a second emphasis is the, of, is the idea of being utterly content in the good shepherd's care. Yes. Being utterly content in the good shepherd's care, and consequently, not craving or desiring anything else. I think this is where we miss it sometimes, guys, because he's my shepherd. I'm probably, when I started saying this, you're probably all saying, well, the Lord's my shepherd. 
He's my shepherd, but there's times when we're, we'll say he's my shepherd, but I'm desiring something else or I'm desiring something more. When he wants to be my shepherd, your shepherd, everything, and, and, and the idea of it is there is nothing more. There's totally content because whatever it is that you'll ever need, God will take care of that. He'll be there to help you. He's, he's there to nurture you and to help you in the things of this life and lead us into the next. That complete contentment that even, you know, Natasha said that this morning about being content and just like, Lord, you're so awesome because she didn't know, you know, what I was going to say. And she was talking by the direction of the Holy Spirit how we need to be content. We're always looking for other things. We're in the pasture that God has us in, but we're looking at the other pasture. And it looks so much greener over there because we can see the pea spots in this one, right? <laughs> and it looks so much greener. And then when we get over, it's like, oh, there's not only pea over here. Wow. <laughs> I should have stayed where I was, right? <laughs> he wants us to be content. I remember, and you may have heard this before, um, but when I went to Guyana, this is one of the main things that stuck, you know, seeing God do awesome things over there, people being healed. You know, on that trip, there was a man that uh, me and Pastor um, Chad went with, we went together, and we prayed over a man. His one eye was completely grayed over, just completely gray, could not see at all. And we prayed for him. He, he was believing. He came up, said, I know God can heal, and I want him to heal me. Would you pray for me? So we laid hands on his eyes. We didn't see anything at that moment. Didn't see anything. We just prayed the prayer of faith. I didn't feel anything. We just prayed it, and that was it. Well, a couple days later, we were in a different city in Guyana, and this guy came up, and I didn't recognize him. He came up, and he says, do you remember me? And I said, I'm sorry, sir, I don't. He goes, look at this. And we looked at his eye, and it was completely whole. He said, God healed me. He healed me. And uh, we were there, and one of the things, there was a, some, such a simple song that just stuck out to me. And you would think it almost sounds like a kid's song, but it was like everybody in the church was singing it. And it just, me and Pastor Chad, when we got this song, we're singing it on the way home in the, in the plane, and just, it was so fun. I don't even know the name of it. I called it Daddy-O, you know. But uh, they would just begin to sing this, and they say, I, I will not hunger, no, no. I will not beg for bread. I, I will not hunger, no, no. I will not beg for bread. He is my daddy-o. He is my papa-o. They were content in the provision of the Father. They were content in the provision of God. God wants us to be content in the provision of the shepherd. He is Jehovah Ra. And a lot of times when we're looking other places, just like Natasha said, we miss it because we're being discontent. We're looking somewhere else. But the shepherd wants us to be content, so he leads us to places to help us. And that's where we get into the next, the next scripture here in a moment. But let me, let me just finish this up. Jesus himself said that he is the good shepherd in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So he'll do everything. Jesus already did everything in his power to do everything that we needed for us to protect us, to make a way to help us. He's there. We, we activate those things by faith and believing in what he has already done. 
The Lord told me that many years ago when I was asking him about a specific situation and asking him to come through in this, and, and his response to me was, Jeff, I've already done everything I will ever do for you. And it was kind of shocking to hear that. I'm like, really? What do you mean? You're never going to do anything? He, he said, I didn't say I wouldn't do anything. He said, I've already done everything I will ever do for you. It was done in Jesus. We have to activate what he has done. Be content in him. He said, I'm the good shepherd. A couple verses down, he repeats it again. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. They know me. He knows us. He goes to great extents to reveal to us how much he knows us and how much he cares about us. And our part is to seek him out. You know that the, um, the Hebrew word for Ra actually means best friend. Isn't that awesome? The Lord my shepherd, the Lord Jehovah Ra, the Lord my best friend, a shepherd friend. He wants to be there. Listen to what it says in Matthew 9, Jesus speaking. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That bothers God's heart when he sees people harassed and oppressed by the devil. Because when they're harassed and oppressed by the devil, they're not leaning upon him as the shepherd because the shepherd will take care of those things coming against them. Amen. Are you with me? He's there. So, what does the shepherd, he wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be your personal shepherd. He wants to be your, your best friend, as it would say in the Hebrew. So what your shepherd will do for you, we see that. Now he just begins to go down through and talk about what he'll do for you. In Psalms 23, uh, 2 and 3, it says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. This whole verse has everything to do with resting in who he is as a shepherd. It's all about rest. Every single one of these verses. And that's literally, you know, one, one translation actually says, you know, he lets me lie down. Yeah, there's a leading that he brings us to these green pastures. But you know what? God, sometimes he has to make us lie down. Bring us to places where we need to get our focus back on him because everything else is distracting us. And he's trying to get us to that place of rest, that contentment in him alone as shepherd where everything else just kind of fades away and it's just like, Jesus. You know, David Crowder, if you, I don't know who he is. He's one of my favorite worship leaders. Come on, David Crowder. But um, he has this one song. Um, I don't even remember the name of it right now, but it's just very simple. There's very few lyrics in it. He says, in it, he just goes, kind of the music's kind of set up. It's after one other song that kind of comes in and you can feel the presence of the Lord. And he says, I don't want to move, and I don't think I should. Yeah. 
I don't want to move, and I don't think I could. And the whole premise of this song, when you go into it, is that he is such in the presence of God that there's nothing else. Everything else has just been fogged out by the presence of God. Everything else, there's, there's no more visual of other pastures around except the ones that he has us in or the one that he's leading us to. It's that place. And a lot of times we miss it as Christians because we'll come and we'll, we'll come in prayer and when we get to that place where we begin to feel his presence, we think we have arrived and we, we leave. Instead of we begin to feel his presence and that is the time to stay and to linger. I'm not saying you have to, you know, it's not like we gotta be there 24 hours a day, but the idea is God wants to take us deeper. And when you get to a place, when you're in his presence, and you get to that place where you don't want to leave, you know you're really there. You know, you're, you've been uh, with friends before where maybe you're having a good time with your friends and there's kind of another obligation that comes up or whatever things that, are, that you have to be to, but you're having such a good time, you don't want to leave. It kind of breaks your heart thinking like, man, I just want to continue because I'm, I'm having such a good time. I'm, I feel like, you know, I, I, we're just communicating. There's a connection. I'm giving and receiving and I, I don't want to break this up. I don't want to leave. That's what it's like to be in God's presence, to be with your best friend, your shepherd. Are you with me? So he makes us to lie down. This deals really with a position of rest. Really, that word to make lie down means this. We get to a place where we're so content in him, we feel confident just to be able to stretch out. That's what that word lie down, and to make lie down is to stretch out, to recline, to make to rest. We come to that place that we're comfortable resting. You know, sheep, whether you know it or not, they're one of the most skittish animals in the world. I mean, it takes a lot for them to be content. There has to be that trust and that contentment with the shepherd protecting, knowing that he's there watching and, and, and is going to take care of them. So when you drive around, sometimes you can see outside of Alec here, there's some farmers and stuff that they have some sheep. When you see them laying down, you are looking at content sheep. They're not laying down because they're just tired. They're laying down because they're content. They're, they're at that place where they, they know that they can rest. Everything, all the things around them has been settled and, and taken care of for them. He makes me lie down he, in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. That literally means he leads me to waters of rest. Waters of rest. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, it says this, um, God himself says, I myself will, will be a shepherd to my sheep. I myself will make them to lie down, declares the Lord. He wants us to bring in those places. He, he wants us to, to, to uh, kind of settle all those things around us so we can really come in that place and rest and realize that what really matters is what he's saying and what he's showing us. Jesus had to take time. He, he got away every single day to get with the Father. And it wasn't convenient. Everywhere he went, people were there. So what he had to do, he had to get up when people were sleeping, when he knew that they weren't going to come after him, that he could go to be with the Father. He would get on a boat and kind of get with his disciples and, and just to get some time for them to rest. And he would get to the other side and the people would say, he's out there. And they would all gather. So whenever, whenever they got off, there he was, thousands of people. And I don't think it was a disruption to him. He loved, he cared for them. But he, he would get alone early in the morning before it got, it got light outside to go seek the Father in that place, 
to learn and to see, just as we have to. Jesus heard what the Father said, and he could say it. He saw what the Father did, and then he could do it. Are you with me? He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. These are a position. The quiet waters are a place, and he restores my soul is a purpose. You know, when I first got saved, um, I, I went home to visit my mom in Pennsylvania from Florida, and we used to have this uh, pond that was on at the top of, you know, not top of our house, but up the field across the road from our house, and I went up there, and it was, I think it was in the fall, I think it was, I think I remember it being colored, colorful trees, and uh, we were there, uh, I was there myself up at this little pond, and it was just like, almost like glass, and you could see like the, the mountain behind it, just like the, the colorful trees just almost look like you're looking at a picture, just kind of reflecting off the water. And then a breeze came, and as the breeze came, the water rippled, and I couldn't see the picture as clearly. It kind of just rippled it up. You know, you could still see colors, but it was all rippled. And then it, the breeze stopped, and it, and it quieted down there a little bit. And, and, and then I felt the Lord say this to me. He says, only when the waters are calm can you see the picture clearly. This is what God is trying to do for us. He's trying as our shepherd to bring us to places where we'll be comfortable to rest in him, to lie down in those pastures beside quiet waters so that he can begin to speak to us. Why? Because our souls need to be restored. If you live in this world, your soul needs to be restored because this world system is all bent into destroying our souls. And we need our souls restored, but the only one that can restore our soul is our shepherd. He's the only one. You know, uh, David gets to a place in, in I think it's uh, Psalms 42 and, and 43, he says it three or four different times. He begins to talk to his own soul, and he's like, oh soul, why are you disturbed or disquieted within me? Hope in God, for you shall yet see the glory of the Lord. He had to tell himself that several times. And, and that word cast, especially from a shepherd's term, it means something special. It's just not like, you know, you know, uh, you know why are you cast down in a sense, thrown down, and what we would think thrown down. That cast from a shepherd's perspective is when a sheep ends up falling, you know, getting down, and they're on their back. They're helpless on their back. Even to the place where uh, a lot of times they won't even say anything. They'll just sit there on their back and flail. Right? And sometimes they may be like, you know, a little thing come out. But a lot of times they're just there and they're just wiggling and, and kind of, you know, what you think, probably stressed out. But the problem is if they don't get upright soon, there's different gases and stuff that get released in their bodies and they could actually suffocate and die. So whenever... Jesus talks about leaving the 99 behind to go after the one. It's really the one that is cast and needs so bad. It's a dire need that he's going. He's concerned about going after that one because they could be out there somewhere cast and in a place of desperation. And if I'm not there to help them and to turn them upright, restore their soul, bring them peace, it could lead to ruin. But he wants to be there for us. St. Augustine of, of Africa said this, O oh God, you have made us for yourself, and our souls are restless, searching till they find their rest in you alone. 
So what our shepherd does for us, he, he makes us lie down. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul. Then he goes on to another thing he says in the rest of, of verse number three. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And these paths are really like, in a sense, as the, as the sheep, they're, they're getting to know these paths. So the, these, uh, I want to say, it's kind of like an entrenchment um, and, and a track that begins to happen. And the idea is that, you know, uh, they make these paths that just continually circle around. Usually what the farmer or the, the sheep herders would do, they, at a certain season of the year, uh, they're more close to the farmland, close to the home. But then in the summertime, they take them to the high places, they take them to the plateaus. The, 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 the shepherds will be gone for, for you know, several months at a time. They go to these little shacks around the plateaus. Have you ever seen those places um, where it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's, they're, they're green, but they get up there. It's almost mountainous looking, but then it's like a flat, that plateau that's there. They take them to these places to be able to feed them. It does two things. One, it gives them fresh forage be able to be able to, to eat, and it gives a time of health for all the food that they've been eating in their own fields around the house because if they eat all that and, and continue to eat, they'll end up eating up all the roots and everything, and there'll be nothing left to be able to feed them. So there's wisdom in it. God knows how to lead us from place to place so that we can continually you know, uh, have that place where we're, we know we're being led by him, but he's given us those flesh, fresh places, but also leaving other places in our lives, giving it time of rest. When we come back, there's things there for us as well. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And the best place, man, that, that God leads us is with his word. You've got you to have his word inside of you. One of my life scriptures is Psalms 32, 8, where God says, I will lead you and guide you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And I call that a life scripture because it was a time when I needed great direction in my life, and God gave me that scripture, and I've used it many times since then. When I feel like I lack direction, I bring his word back to him. You said you would lead me and guide me in the way that I should go. You will counsel me with your eye upon me. If your eyes upon me, you see me. You're going to lead me, so I don't have to. I can be content in you, God. I can be content that you're going to lead. So if I need to go a different direction other than the direction I'm going right now, I can trust you that you're going to show me the way to go. And even if I do go the wrong way, I trust you enough that as I'm walking down that wrong path, because I want your way, you're going to say, that's not the way. I, I, I'm, so, I'm so proud of you for stepping out in faith, but it's just a little over here, right? That's the shepherd. That's the good friend. So... Um, Philip Keller said in his book, he said, the greatest safeguard which a shepherd has in handling his flock is to keep them on the move. The owner's entire name and reputation depends on how effectively and efficiently he keeps his sheep moving onto wholesome, new, fresh forage. You know, we just want to, I'm just kind of the same way, so I'm sure you guys are too, that you get to that place, you're just like, I just want to, you know, we get the idea that we want to be content and not have to do anything else. And it's like God does it all, and we just kind of sit there, and I don't even want to have to move on, God. It is just, let's just stay here and just kind of rest and relax. Well, that's, that's not even realistic. Because when we're not active, we're not, when we're not moving, I mean, you know, what's, what's it called? Uh, is it, ap what do they call it when, when your muscles? Atrophy. Atrophy. 
atrophy sets in. Same thing in the spirit. And if we're, if we're not exercising our faith, if we're not being challenged, and that's one of our weaknesses is we really don't challenge ourselves. We need someone else, a coach, to challenge us. We need a friend to challenge us. And that's what God does as he leads us into places. And then as he's leading us, this kind of goes with, the, the next verse goes with that last one. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's doing it. His name is on the line. I've said that to God before when he's leading me. God, I'm believing in your word. Your name is on the line here, God. You said you would do this. Now, it don't have to come about the way that I think it should come about. I've got to leave room and be content of how he brings things forth, but he will do what he said he's going to do. And we got to keep on holding on to it. So we're leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Then he goes right into the next one in verse number four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He just told us that he's gonna lead us, you know, guide us in paths of righteousness for his namesake, and sometimes those paths of righteousness will take us through what seems to be a valley of death. Even though, the Message Bible says this, even when the way goes through the death valley, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. You know, every good shepherd, especially in these places in, over in Israel in the mountain places that they have, they know that to get to those plateaus at the top of the mountain where there's the fresh forage for them to be able to be and to camp out, you know, for that season to get there, the best way is to go through the valley. It's the best way because the waters, when rains and stuff are coming down, they already form, you know, uh, 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 kind of a trenches and, 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 and places and they always go the, the way of least resistant, right? So it's just those, those valleys going down to the valley, it's always the greater for, forage is down there because it's well watered. There's water holes that are there that are fresh from the rains and it's the easiest grade up to the top of the mountain, and the shepherd would just take them back and forth, kind of circular motions, whether it's circling around or kind of you've seen paths. If you've ever been on a farm or up mountainous things, you'll see kind of paths just kind of keep circling around on their way up to the top for that season, for God to be able to show us things. Philip Keller said again, he said, um, one only gains higher ground by climbing through the valleys. Every mountain has its valley, and the best route to the top is always through these valleys. They hold the gentlest grades and are well watered with rich and the best forage. And then he goes in, you know, you're with me. I'm not going to fear. I'm content. We're already at that place that you're my friend. You, you're, you're leading me. You're restoring my soul. You know where the best pastures are. You know where the quiet waters are. I'm finding that contentment in you. And then that contentment gets challenged a little bit because why are we going this way, God? Why do I have to go down there? Why do we got to go through these places? Why did this, this dark place, why, why do we got to go through this? I mean, don't you know that there's wolves down there? Don't you know there's bears down there? Don't you know that there's certain things that are going to want to take my life away from me? But it's that contentment and that trust in him as a shepherd leading you into those places. And he says here, I'll fear no evil because one, you're with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. He protects us and he comforts us. 
The rod was an extension of the owner's right hand. It stood as a symbol of his strength, his power, and his authority in any serious situation. This, is, this weapon is a continuous comfort to the sheep. You know, they take um, the shepherds. Uh, he told a story about this um, shepherd that he was learning from and stuff over in Africa. And when they were young boys, they would go into the woods and they would find this little suckling plant, whatever, you know, and then they, they would pull it out by the root, the whole root and everything. So there's, the, there's the ball of the root that's on the end and they would cut all their stragglers off of it and get it, you know, the right size and the right length of it for the age of, of the shepherd. And they would, they would practice continually with that rod they would practice, they would whip, they would even do games of seeing who could, you know, throw it the furthest and be the most accurate. And they would use that rod against, I mean, if a, if a, if a wolf or a, a lion or whatever would come across, they would just take that thing and, just, and whip it, be completely accurate, hitting that thing and deterring that coming. And sometimes even when a sheep, because the rod is, is for protection, but sometimes it's used for correction too. When a sheep is going their own way, he may use that rod and just, you know, get them back in line again. And they would just kind of, all right, yeah, I see what you're saying. I'll do what you say. Praise the Lord. Well, maybe the sheep don't go praise the Lord, but you know what I mean. Be like, meh. But so they choose their rod. And then they have their staff. And the staff more than any other item, identifies the shepherd as a shepherd. When you think of a, of, a, of a shepherd's staff, what do you think? I mean, you automatically see it. If you saw one hanging like that, you're going to be thinking either one of two things, a shepherd or the manger scene. And at the manger scene, they were shepherds, right? That's what you're going to think of. The, the, the staff identified the shepherd as a shepherd. No other single word can better describe its function on behalf of the flock than, than that it is used for comfort. The word staff speaks of his mercy and kindness for the sheep. I love that. And he takes us into that place because he's leading us as he did. Now he brings us to a place where you can kind of see um, the sheep at the top of this mountain. He's led them all the way through from the homestead, the whole way through the wilderness as they're grazing along, taking care of them from pasture to pasture through what would seem like Death's Valley, clear to the top of the plateau, what he has for us, what he had for them, for them to be able to feed. And he says this in Psalms 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow or literally pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in a more, you know, sense of, of thinking about farming and, and, and the sheep, here's the shepherd up there, if there's, you know, one or two, whatever, however many they got, they're up at this plateau, green fields, well, it's summertime, and what comes with summer? Bugs. Lots of bugs, even on, the, even on the plateau. And there's all these bugs and different parasites that begin to bother the sheep. This is kind of what, when he talks about anointing, and it represents the Holy Spirit, but kind of like littering in, in a literal sense here, 
the, the shepherd takes this ointment and he begins to cover their head because the bugs will get into their ears. It will, you know, get into their nose. It will lay these larvas that could get up, you know, in their head or under their skin. And it causes such irritation. It bothers them so much. They'll, they say that, that, that sheep that have these, that, that, you know, whenever they're infected with these warble worms or whatever they are, they get under their skin and they cause them problems that they'll literally go up against a rock and just hit their head back and forth because they're just in such pain hitting it. Or they'll, with all the flies that come around them, they'll, they'll just like be stamping in place or they'll run somewhere else and then, you know, run somewhere else over here and then run. And, and some of them have even been known just to jump off the cliff because they can't take it anymore. But the shepherd gets this special ointment, and I, I can't remember all the things, but it was like something with sulfur and tar. It's not a very, it doesn't seem like a very good ointment, you know. Sulfur don't smell very good. Uh, tar, sulfur, and there were some other things, and he would just smear the sheep's face with it and bring that contentment again that they just deter all those bugs, all those things that would upset the sheep so that they could enjoy this place that God has for them. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. This is one of the reasons we need the Holy Spirit. The shepherd will lead us to those places, and he anoints us with his Holy Spirit, you know, to do powerful things in his name. He wants us to do powerful things in his name, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit is there also to help us in the things that we walk through in this life, those things that can become an annoyance, those things that can, you know, lay seeds in our life that become a problem to us and literally become a problem to someone else because when we get irritated, other people get irritated. I don't know about you. If I get irritated, I can make my wife irritated, right? But whenever I get into God's presence and I get back on focus on what things are really about and be content into my shepherd, things begin to change in my life. And he says, he'll anoint his head with oil. My cup overflows. You can also see, you know, preparing that table before me in the presence of my enemy. That really means he, he's arranging or setting things in order, really a meal. You know, in a spiritual sense, we're seeing like here God has become our friend. He is the one who's totally taking care of us. And it's like he preps a, a, a meal in front of us, which is really a sign of covenant. You know, covenant in its basic form is this, everything that I have belongs to you. And I'll do everything in, in my power to, to, to act on your behalf. And everything that you have belongs to me. And he's preparing this covenant meal for us in the presence of our enemies. We're not talking natural enemies. We're talking spiritual enemies that he's saying before us and to the enemy who's watching. I'm preparing this table before you in the presence of your enemies or really, really in front of your enemies. I have their back. I want you to know that. Telling the enemy, I have their back. This is a covenant. I have covenant with them. I am their shepherd. And if you try to come against them, you better know this, that you're coming against me. I remember this one time when I first moved to, Florida, or to uh, Pittsburgh and I graduated, I was going to school out there. I had this one friend, and we ended up going to, it was before I knew Jesus, we went to this party, and it was supposed to be this, this, this one girl, there was a lot of drama with her, and, and she was trying to pick a fight with one guy that liked her, and I liked her too, so she invited us together and was trying to see if we'd fight over her. I'm just like, oh my gosh. So we got, you know, invited to this party, and we go down, we thought it was going to be like a bunch of people there. It's like literally three guys, this girl, and then me and my friend show up, and we're like, okay, this, this is weird. You know, and then she was starting to say stuff like we're going to get, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I just got to know you. I ain't going to be fighting somebody. 
And my friend's like, listen, you want to pick a fight with him? You're picking a fight with me. So what he said, I was like, I felt bolder. I was like, well, maybe I do want to fight. I don't know. <laughs> he was a little taller than me, a bigger guy. His name was Tim. And he's like, you pick a fight with him, you even t- you're going to fight me. And it was like, it was settled. Let's leave. You know, we're good. <laughs> but that's what it is with God. Preparing a table before our enemies with us. I'm on their side. They're with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand this morning? My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That really takes a picture of not only taking the sheep to the plateau, that place for that season, but taking them on the journey back home again. And being with him. Father, we just, we thank you for your presence. Lord, you're so good. You are Jehovah Ra. You're our shepherd. And I pray that every single person here today would make that personal to them. Or they'd be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And this is what you do for me as my shepherd. Lord, we honor you. You've, you've revealed so many things to us these last several weeks with your names, Lord God. And, and just learning these names has been so beautiful, even to come into your presence in our own homes and just begin to be able to recite these names and remember who you are and your attributes and your character and your great love for us. It ushers in your presence when we remember that you are God. You're our Savior. You're our healer. You're our restorer. You're our righteousness. You're our peace. Lord, we bless you and we honor you.